Jesus make space for? What does he make space for in our lives? The story tonight comes from the end of the Gospel of Luke, um, Luke chapter 24, verses 13 through 35. Um, on the very day that Jesus rose from the grave, on the day of his resurrection, a couple of men were walking home from Jerusalem, and they were having an intense discussion. That's not made up, that's in the text. They're having an intense discussion. When a stranger, somebody they didn't know, just started walking alongside of them, and this probably wasn't like a freaky encounter. This is walking down a major thoroughway, and somebody just happened to be walking alongside them, overhearing this conversation, and just asked, what are you guys talking about? What are you talking about? And they stopped, and they stood. When this question was asked, they stopped, and they stood in the middle of this road, and with sadness, the sadness of their hearts worn across their bodies, like the, the text actually says that the sadness was on their face. In the middle of this journey, they stopped and they stood when the question was just asked, what are you guys talking about? And they responded, where have you been, man? You gotta be the only person who doesn't know all of the things that have been going on in these past few days. And the stranger says, well, what things? All the things concerning Jesus of Nazareth. All that he spoke and did and how he died. And they told him, this stranger, they told him how they had hoped that he was the one who was going to save them. Jesus. And then to make matters worse, or at least more confusing, that very morning that they, had, that they were walking, that the stranger found them on the road, that very morning they had found out his tomb was empty and the body was missing. And when they tell him all of this, the stranger responds in a way that no real stranger would. He says, oh foolish ones. This is the guy they just met on the side of the road. Oh foolish ones who are slow of heart to believe all that your very own prophets have spoken. Wasn't it necessary for your Savior to suffer these things, just that you've just seen, and then enter into glory? And it seems like in the text, he didn't even wait for an answer as he asked the question. Wasn't it necessary for all these things to happen? Instead, while they walked, apparently, he began combing through all of the stories of God's work in the history of their people, the Israelites and showing them all of the ways in which these stories, the scriptures, were about the Savior who had just died and whose body was missing. And as they drew near to their home, it, it, it seems like it was probably about seven miles total of a journey. As they, as they drew near to their home, the stranger m made to sort of move on. It's very interesting in the text. It actually almost says something like Jesus pretended like he was gonna keep walking. It, it's not a date, but it's sort of like that moment you know what I mean? Where it's like, maybe you don't know, uh, but where it's like, okay, I, I don't know if I'm going to kiss you or go. I'm going to go. Uh, and ho hoping that the person says, no, stay, you know, or something. Like, that would be weird if it was said like that. But, um, so I don't want you to imagine this like Jesus is on a date, but that's like the, 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 the connotation that comes to my mind in this moment. Okay, I totally am off the rails. Uh, but he, he kind of makes to go, and we're going um, to revisit, actually, this passage of Scripture in November. Uh, none of you have thought even close to that far ahead yet, but, um, and I'm going to probably dial back around to that exact um, kind of moment right there. But he made to sort of go away, um, but they urged him to stay. They said, it's getting late. Come and stay with us for the evening. And he says, oh, okay. He had planned on going the whole time, okay? Um, they said, come stay with us for the evening. And he went into their home, and he sat at their table, and again, he did something that no stranger would do in another person's house. He took the bread, he blessed it, he broke it, and he gave it to them. And in that moment, they realized who the stranger was. 
It was the very one they had been talking about this whole time. It was the very one they thought they lost. It was Jesus. And in far too common an experience, Jesus disappears as soon as he's recognized. The text says he vanishes. I don't know what that means. And they turn to each other in that moment when Jesus is gone. And they say, didn't our hearts burn within us as he talked to us on the road and explained the scriptures to us? Until that moment, friends, they didn't know it was Jesus. The stranger who asked them questions, the stranger who received them and listened to them, the one who explained their own stories to them and came into their homes to be with them the whole time it was Jesus. The very desire of their hearts standing within arm's reach just to their side. And they were heartbroken, dejected, and going home. And even as he did all of these things, they didn't know it was him. You know that's possible, right? It's possible for God to stand with us, to speak to us, to come alongside us, and for us to not recognize him. It's worth lingering on that for a moment. To wonder how God might already be up to something in our lives, speaking to us, walking with us, being with us, and we may not recognize him. When we come back to this chapter in November, we're going to actually revisit the story and spend time talking about how we recognize him and how we actually come to know him. But tonight, what I'm mindful of is this sort of buzz of excitement and the sheer energy that like the beginning of a school year brings. It just does. It brings with it like a ton of momentum and change and uh, all of the plans and hopes and dreams and desires that riddle this room. I know right now there's no lack of desire in this room. I know that. Desire for friendship, desire for growing up, desire for staying young, desire for knowledge, for discernment, just somebody tell me what to do, desire for romance, for validation, for identity, for meaning, lots of desire. And perhaps you think that by getting involved in something like the house or coming to a worship service on a Tuesday night or crowding into a room of your peers, that the desires that you have will be met. And I do, I do hope for sure in one sense that they are. I do, I do. But I, I can't shake what happened on that road that day with the desires of those men when Jesus came into their lives on that walk. For instead of their desires all being met immediately, their desires actually grew. Walking down that road, they were sad and confused. They were, they were sad and they were confused. And when Jesus came, they weren't immediately happy and thinking clearly. I don't know what you assume will happen. If God could just show up in the way you wanted, maybe you assume that immediately all your desires would be satisfied. But that's not what happened on that day. Jesus actually seemed to make space for their sadness to grow and, he, and to plunge them even deeper into their amazement. Instead of quickly patching up their desires, he actually allowed their desires to become stronger. Remember what they said. When he was talking to us, our hearts were burning within us. Their hearts burned within them. Their emotions and their feelings and their desires were stirred up, not satisfied. And I can't help but think about you and your desires and how they might need to be stirred up instead of satisfied right now. So I'm a huge nerd. I like sci-fi movies and I like fantasy novels and I like board games. Okay, I like the Seahawks and whiskey and working with power tools. Okay, I like all those things. But I'm going to Dragon Con in a couple weeks. <laughs> uh, 
And here's why this matters. <laughs> okay, um, because my wife and my kids were not terribly interested in seeing the eclipse yesterday. Um, but I bought a shirt for Pi Day last year. Um, so there was like no way I was going to miss the totality of the eclipse when it's just a car ride away. I was not going to miss that. And friends, you did not see the eclipse if you did not see the totality. You didn't. So I, I wanted my wife and my kids to see it. Okay, I am really am a nerd. That's not like an apology. You really didn't. Um, okay, so anyway, I wanted my wife and kids to see it. And you know what I had to do? My wife and kids, I, to get them to see the eclipse, I had to actually stir up their desire to see it. That's what I had to do. I had to, I had to actually talk about how cool it was going to be to help them imagine it at least enough. I'm like, can you imagine this? And it's going to be like, this is happening. This is how long it's been. And, and if we ever want to do this again, this is where we have to go. And I'm like I'm badgering a little bit, right? I, I don't want to compare me and Jesus too much here. Um, but the, the, the point I do want to stress is the work for me was to help stir up desire and imagination that they would actually want to see the eclipse because they didn't. At least enough so that they were willing to get into a car with me and spend a few hours on a farm 30 minutes north of here. I don't know what, I don't know what north is. Anyway, my wife, who said to me, I would not have gone if, if, uh, if I didn't go, and she probably wouldn't have gone if I didn't want her to go with me and sort of force the issue, she actually stood there with her glasses off, staring at the totality of the eclipse. She stood there with her glasses off, with goosebumps running up and down her arms and tears streaming down her face. watching the coolest thing I'd ever seen, which is her looking at the eclipse. Um, and you had, you better believe that the, like, the nerd in me was like so proud <laughs> looking at that fine thing wearing solar shades, you know, and everything. Uh, but, but listen, she agreed with me on the way home. Like we get in the car on the way home, sitting in traffic and all that, that it was one of the most amazing things she'd ever seen, she would say. And you know what work needed to be done in order for my wife to experience one of the most amazing things she'd ever seen. She did not need to be satisfied. What she needed was to have her desire stirred up. Because if she were satisfied before that eclipse, if she were satisfied, I would have gone to watch the eclipse with my dragon con friends, and she would have hung out on our deck grilling hamburgers. This is a totally cliche difference in cool in our family, okay? Like, my wife is actually really cool. Uh, so get this. And this is really, I think this is really fascinating to realize that this could be true about us. My wife did not want to experience, she did not want to experience one of the greatest things she's ever seen. She did not want to experience one of the greatest things she's ever seen. Her desire needed to be stirred up. And I wonder if right now, on the cusp of starting a new year of school, if your desires need to be stirred up right now instead of satisfied. If you don't yet want the greatest stuff God is holding out for you. One of the most famous quotations of my hero, C.S. Lewis, goes like this, and this, I, I hope that you remember this and that you quote it. He says, if we it's from one of the greatest sermons ever preached. He says, if we consider the unblushing promises of reward and the staggering nature of the rewards promised in the Gospels, it would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures, fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at sea. We are far too easily pleased. 
Our desires are not too strong, but too weak. We're far too easily pleased. Friends, I don't know what it is you want this year right now. What you want out of this night, or your dorm mates, or your housemates, or your classes, or your boyfriend or girlfriend, or your potential boyfriend or girlfriend, or your parents, or your degree, or your life. I don't know what you want out of those things. But my suspicion is that God wants our hearts to burn within us for even greater things. My suspicion is that we do not yet want enough. And however long we have together, my hope is that we're not satisfied too easily. That we learn to want more and greater things. I'm sure coming to a place like this on a Tuesday night, that you're wondering, just because it's a natural question when you walk into places like this, is this, is this the place that's going to do it for me? Do I like these people? Do I like this place? Do I, whatever, however you want to spin that language, one of the ways of spinning it is, is this place going to meet my desires? Is it going to satisfy the desires that I have? And, and I'm wondering if, if maybe it shouldn't yet. If instead, this could be a community where you learn greater desires, where you want better things as we follow Jesus together. A community where a year from now, we have a hunger for brotherhood and sisterhood which outstrips our desire for social acquaintances and being cool. A desire for, a, 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 maybe that our desire for a job would be transformed into a desire to be part of meeting the needs of other people in the world. That our desire for a degree or grades would be baptized into a posture of discovery. That we would all die more youthful in our curiosity than we are today. Or a desire for joy that would triumph over happiness. That we would not just want to be loved, who here doesn't want that, but that we'd actually have a hunger and a desire to love others. That we would be known and know Jesus. My suspicion is, is that many of us don't actually want all of those things. That when we cry out, may whatever the line from the song is, that your, whatever, your justice and praise would, would, would become my embrace or something for, the, for every day of my life. Like, who here actually has that? Who here wakes up every morning and goes, your justice and praise, God? You know, like, I, I don't think we do that. And yet we sing it. And our desires, I think, actually need to be transformed by the truths that we encounter here. I know that if we live life together with him, following him, he will not only stir up greater desires, though he will satisfy them. And so here's what I want to invite you to do. I want to invite you to step into this weird community of God's people that we call the house. With some people who have just shown up, with some people that are about to leave. With some people that are quiet, some that are loud, with some that are just here for free food and, and cheating in the parking lot, and for others that want to cook the food and clean up after the guy who eats for free. And if you're coming just for free food, take it. Take it. With some um, who know the Bible backwards and with others who've hardly read it at all, some people in this room are, 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 are the spectrum of, of um, polit like political stuff is, is just far and wide in this room. The theological background of students in this room is just nuts. The different streams of Christianity that are here, it's a, it's a weird kind of amalgam that's another word, apparently. Um, anyway, what I want to invite you to do is risk being known, to have the courage to know others and to know Jesus and how much he loves you and to do this with others in this room, to sign up for a core group right after this because it really is a good decision.
And it's also a good decision to commit to them and not bail on them once you start. To go to like awkward cookouts, to go sit next to somebody that you don't even know and may be kind of annoying at a couch. I want to invite you to do stuff like that. To come with us on missions, to spend time in each other's homes and dorms and cars, to sit next to someone and just sit next to someone, just to sit next to them and get their name, know their story, to pray together, to ask questions together, to care for each other. I want to invite you to do those things in our community that we might not settle for lesser things because I think in this community as we follow Jesus together with all of these people in this room and the people represented by people in this room, one of the things I see happening over and over and over again is our desires are transformed. As I was sitting there listening to Kirsten's core group um, share up here, and when you ladies shared, I was actually, when thinking about the sermon, I was like, man, it would be really interesting to ask what you wanted your freshman year and what you want now. And, and to watch how the desires have been transformed and to hear the testimonies of how those desires have been transformed. I think this is a fantastic community to do that in. So I want to invite you to step in if you want that sort of thing. That we might not settle for lesser things and that as we follow Jesus, we might actually become harder to please. We might be harder to please. Not satisfied with the trappings of this world that don't actually promote human flourishing and honor the dignity of individuals and invite and encourage the community of God's people to lay down their lives for the sake of others. As we follow Jesus, may our hearts burn within us for greater things than we could ever ask or imagine. For example, being known and knowing Jesus. That's my hope for you. And I do look forward with great anticipation to the year ahead for any of you that would wanna walk this year together. Let's pray and we'll continue to worship God. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, thank you for meeting with us tonight. Thank you for, um, thank you for knowing what actually satisfies us and what doesn't, and thank you for not selling out and settling. Even in the next couple of minutes as we sing a couple of songs to you, would you begin or continue to do the work of transforming our desires right now? Help us to want more. I know that there is fear in this room when it comes to desire. I pray against that fear, God. Fear of disappointment, fear of failure. I ask that you make this people a people of courage. The people who begin to sense a, a, a kind of burning inside of them for more. More. 